It is hard to believe that we are at the end of our Lenten series. It's hard to believe that next Sunday is Palm Sunday. And it is really hard to believe that Easter is just two weeks away, particularly given the reality that we are all facing right now. We should be preparing for our Easter egg hunt for the neighborhood kids. We, we should be ordering our flowers to decorate the sanctuary with on Easter morning. But instead, we are watching the service separated in our living rooms, unsure of when we will be together next. It is a strange reality that none of us could have seen coming. When I first began this series, I told a goofy little story about my first time in the desert in Arizona. And I said that it felt as if I had landed on, a, on an alien planet because nothing looked familiar to me. The ground was a different color. I had never seen any of the plants before. Even the animals were different. Obviously, I had no idea when I told that story weeks ago that we would be able to relate to that scenario in such a specific and collective way because it kind of feels as if we are on some kind of an alien planet right now. Everything looks different, everything feels different. We don't know what's around the bend because none of us have ever been here before. And each of these past three Sundays, I kept thinking that certainly we would need to adapt our previously chosen text and topic to, to kind of better speak to what it is that we're going through right now. But as you know, when it was time for Sam to speak and his topic was doubt, well, that, that seemed pretty fitting to the situation that we are in now. And then last week, as I mentioned, when I realized that the topic was on receiving God's comfort, I thought, well, clearly that is something that we could use right now. And then as I looked at our text and topic for this Sunday, our final Sunday in this series, I thought, you know what, I should, I should probably save this one until we come out of this collective desert experience that we are all in. But as God often does, God changed my mind on that. Because our topic for this morning is new beginnings. And so my initial thought behind that was that when we go into these desert experiences in our own lives, we never come out the other side the same. Desert experiences change us, sometimes for the good and sometimes not so much. But when I got to thinking about the place that we're in now, God helped me realize that I would rather us talk about this topic now than to wait until this season of life is over. Why? Because I'd rather talk about it now while we still have the chance to make choices that will determine if and how we will allow God to change us through this experience. Because the truth is that we will be different on the other side of this pandemic. The question is, how? Will we use this time to allow God to make us new for his sake? Or will we leave the desert angry and bitter that we had to spend time there at all? Angry and bitter at the aftermath that it will inevitably leave in our lives and in our economy and in our culture. Do you remember that very first verse that I shared with you in this series? It was written on the wall of the retreat center's chapel in Arizona, and it comes from the book of Hosea. And, and in that verse, God says, I will lead you into the desert where I will speak to your heart. So this is not the situation that any of us planned on being in. We couldn't control that. 
But what we can control is whether or not we will allow God to speak to our hearts during this time, because rest assured, he wants to. Will we choose him over everything else? Will we allow God to use this time to make something new out of the situation and out of us? Because isn't that what God loves to do? We say that all the time around Hillcrest, that we have a God who loves to make things new. Why would this experience be any different? In fact, don't you wonder if God can't speak that much more clearly now that he has a captive audience? The church has a role to play. And we, as followers of Jesus, have a role to play in the world and in what the world looks like through this and on the other side of this. We have a God who is committed to establishing new things. We saw it from the very beginning. If you think back to the Israelites in Exodus, God was hard at work making a new people for himself, right? And so God made a new people and God gave them a brand new land, a brand new place to live, free from the oppressive hand of Egypt. God even gave them a new law by which to live. Everything was made new in them, right? Well, not everything. God may have made a new people and a new land and a new law, but what we, what we saw was that the people continued to choose to do things their own way. Why? Because of all the new things that these people had, what they didn't have was a new heart. And the reality of it was, and still is, that a new heart was not something that they could get on their own. They couldn't earn it. They clearly revealed that they didn't deserve it. So how would this new people in a new land with a new law receive a new heart? Well, it, it had to be given to them. Thankfully, in the book of Ezekiel, God promised to do just that. In fact, God made a covenant or a promise with his people in chapter 11 of Ezekiel that God would give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. He said, I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. They will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. And then again, further into the book of Ezekiel in chapter 36, God says the same thing again. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. But how? How was God going to do what he promised to do? Well, those of us who know how the story ends, we already know the answer to that. And his name is Jesus. God would send his son to die for us, that dying in our place and raising to life again, we would be made new, that we could have new hearts, hearts that instead of stone are turned to flesh, hearts that can, in, in even the most awful of circumstances, still choose God and the ways of God. Through Christ, we are able to have hearts that know that desert experiences, whatever they are, won't and don't last forever. Whether they are some of the more personal things that we mentioned last week or the experience that much of the world is enduring right now, we know that they won't last forever. We know that they aren't permanent. We know that they will pass. 
we know that the desert experience will come to an end and that it will be followed by a new beginning. We know that because it is the promise of God. In one of his writings, Dante wrote that there is a phrase written above the gates of hell that says, all hope abandon ye who enter here. All hope abandon ye who enter here. This idea that once you enter, all hope is lost. But here's the thing. I think there are many in our world right now who are acting as if those words are written over our current experience. That once you enter this particular pandemic wilderness, that all hope is lost, almost as if to tempt us to abandon our faith. And so, church, we have to remember that the good news of our faith is twofold. One, that the desert will never be our final destination. And two, that even in the most difficult, painful, and desolate of desert space, hope is never, ever, ever lost when there's Jesus. In fact, these desert experiences are often markers in our life as a whole. So often they mark the end of one season of our lives and the beginning of a new one, or, or at least they do if we allow them to. We saw that even in Jesus's life in the texts that we have been faithfully reading together for the past month. We saw Jesus face an incredibly difficult and lonely time in the desert, a time when he was sent all by himself into the wilderness to face temptations and tests that would have been easy to fail. It would have been easy to give up. It would have been easy to give in, to be angry that he was even put in that position at all. But that desert experience marked the end of one season and particularly marked the beginning of a new one, which was his public ministry. That time in the desert provided things for Jesus that he needed for everything he was about to face. It gave him a strength and a reliance on God that would carry him through all of the difficult days that were to come. We have spent weeks in the desert with Jesus, watching him face temptation and doubt, watching God show up in powerful ways. And now we get to see Jesus come out of the wilderness and step into a new beginning. And really, if we look across scripture, new beginnings are at the heart of the gospel message. That is why we talk about it so much. Because we know that no matter who we are, or what we said or done, or left unsaid or undone, whether we are in this desert experience because life put us there, or we are in the desert because of decisions that we have made for ourselves, we know that there is always the promise of a new day for us. And not only that, we know that God is with us in the desert, not just to provide comfort, but to help lead us through the desert and ultimately to get us out of the desert. When we find ourselves facing a desert or wilderness experience, when we feel like God is far away, when we feel isolated and separated from God, there is always a way out. And his name is Jesus. After Jesus has completed his ministry here on earth, after he endured a sacrifice that none of us can imagine, after he died and was raised again on our behalf, well, then those who claimed to follow him had work to do. They had a church to build. 
They had news of fresh starts and new beginnings to share with everyone. And none in the early church did that in a way that rivaled the life and ministry of Paul. Paul, in fact, was an absolute expert at new beginnings. Paul knew what it was to experience life in the desert. In fact, he really had spent most of his life there. But in that, Paul also knew what it was to be undeserving of a new beginning, but to be given one anyway. He knew what it was to be set free from the desert of a broken relationship with God and with God's people. And so Paul quickly developed a passion to make sure that other people stuck in the desert knew that there was a way out. He lived the remainder of his life making sure that everyone he encountered knew that they too could experience a fresh start, a new beginning in Jesus Christ. When Paul was writing to the church of Corinth for the second time, the church was facing a lot of struggles. They were caught in this tension of having heard about Jesus initially, but but now they've been tempted to walk away from the good news and the God that they first believed in. And so Paul's second letter comes from his heart, his heart that wants to bring this church back to God. And so Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, which Lois read for us earlier, If anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us, the church. These are huge words for the people of Corinth. Despite the fact that they had recently heard the good news of Jesus Christ, they were still hugely influenced by the morals and values of the world around them, much more so than the ways of Christ. In fact, they even had other missionaries in their area who set out to tell them about Jesus but really ended up reasoning with the church of Corinth, kind of telling them that it's okay to believe in Jesus and still go on living the way that they always had. So when Paul comes in and he has a different word for them, well, he wasn't so popular. Paul tells them that the way of doing things that makes you look no different than the world around you, yeah, those, those are the old ways. And the old ways are gone. And the new way has come. And the word that he uses in Greek for new, it doesn't just mean new, it means better. It's not just that a new way has come, it's that a better way of living has come. And it's not just that anyone who is in Christ will be a brand new creation, it's that they will be a new and a better creation. And I don't mean better in that followers of Jesus are better than everyone else. I mean better in that followers of Jesus are freed to be the better and best versions of who God created them to be. They can be their best selves in Christ, and they now have a better way of looking at the world, albeit a way that turned everything they know on its head, but it is a better way nonetheless. It's a view of the world that says that the last will be first and the first will be last, It is a view, and hear me when I say this in light of this week's news, it is a view that tells us 
that no one is expendable even for the sake of the economy, that no one is expendable, that all lives matter equally to God as we are all image bearers of God. It is a way of living that calls followers of Jesus to speak up for the voiceless and to defend the weak and to care for the poor. It calls us to look different than the world around us, to not just care for, but to take care of those who are lost and lonely and those who are without the things that they need. And this better way of looking at the world, it also applies to the way that they look at the world when things aren't going so well. It's a view of the world that says that hope is not lost, that hope is never lost when the name of Jesus is spoken. It's the good news that no matter what you have done or what is happening around you, that there is always the chance for a new beginning, that in Christ, we are all new creations, that everything old has passed away and that everything has become new. While this means everything to us as individual Christ followers, it also means something for us in the circumstances in which we find ourselves. Because whether your desert experience right now is something that is unique to your life, or, or if you're looking at it as this situation that we all find ourselves in amidst this global pandemic, the good news of Jesus Christ is that the desert will never have the last word, which means that the pandemic will never have the last word. Even now, God is at work creating something new in us and in our world, but we, we have to choose to see it, and we have to choose to be a part of it. I don't know if any of you saw it, but there was a story on the news this week about one of our own local companies, Upstaging. Usually they're busy doing the staging and lights for famous musicians around the world, but as all of the tours are halted, instead of shutting down and sending everyone home, they have shifted their focus. So now they're making personal protective equipment for first responders. And they are preparing to turn big venues into facilities and hospitals should the need arise. Car manufacturers like GM and Ford said that they would help too. And so instead of making cars, they are making ventilators. See? I am making everything new, says God. There are people all over the country who are sitting in their living rooms sewing masks for healthcare workers. See, I am making everything new. Restaurants around town are feeding our local hospital employees, and I know that the same is happening around the country. See, I am making everything new. Breweries and distilleries, including our own whiskey acres, are foregoing production of their product in order to make much-needed hand sanitizer. See, I am making everything new. Churches are utilizing technology that we've never used before in order to provide worship experiences that people would continue to preach and praise the name of Jesus at a time when we need God most. See, I am making everything new, says God. So what will God make new in you? How will you choose to engage God during this difficult season? 
so that when we come out of this particular desert experience, we will do so having been changed for the good and for the glory of God. And when you do allow God to make you new, to make your circumstances new, my next question is, who are you going to tell? Because when God does a new thing, we have to tell people. Psalm 66 says, come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. Come and hear all you who fear God. Let me tell you what God has done for me. Church, let's not wait for this desert experience to be over before we decide whether or not we're going to expect God to do something new with it. He already promises us he will, but we have to participate. Don't wait till it's over. Don't wait till life goes back to whatever semblance of normal life may go back to. Choose today that you will allow God to do a new thing in you. Choose today to see the beauty in what God is making new, even now in this desert. In fact, choose today to become a part of the beauty that can be seen right now. And know on those days when this desert experience feels particularly dry, particularly hopeless, remember that the desert will never, ever have the final word. We have a God of new beginnings. And friends, regardless of where or how we will celebrate, Easter is still coming. Let's pray together. God, I know that in these scary and unknown days that it's difficult to remember that even now you are making something new. You are making something new out of our experiences and you are making something new out of us. And so God, would you open our eyes because you are at work in this world and you have invited us to be a part of it. You are creating new and beautiful things around us and you're asking us to join in that work. And so God, would you turn our anxiety into hope? Would you turn our fear into joy? God, that when we are filled with your peace, we would be so moved to be a part of all of the new things that you are creating around us. God, help us to look for ways to help. Help us to be creative as you are creative in making something beautiful out of something broken. We thank you, God, that we get to be a part of your work in this world. May we do so filled with your joy. In your holy name we pray.